Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, this, this is, 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 is Fight Disciples. Welcome to podcast episode number 750. This is your MMA review from the weekend just gone. We've got some PFL to sprinkle in on top of that UFC. Before we get there, though, please subscribe to us. You can do it via our website, fightdisciples.com. We've got every audio feed under the sun, including a visual one, too. So go and get stuck in and you'll never miss out on any of our content. And next week, we are going to be on the ground in Viva Las Vegas. That's right, getting you even closer to the action, sticking microphones in people's faces. So the content is just going to be off the chain next week as it's International Fight Week, the Hall of Fame induction, you name it. We're across it, and we're going to be bringing you closer to it. So make sure you subscribe to us uh, right across all our channels, fightdisciples.com. Now look at my little man's face here. Eh? Look at him. Last couple of weeks, he's been on here talking about scoring criteria, hasn't he? He's been getting all excited about the differentiation between a 10-9, a 10-8. Why don't we get more 10-7s? Look at him. He hasn't got any pants on underneath that desk because he's knocking <laughs> worn out. He is absolutely like a pig in shit today, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, because we had a 50-42 at the weekend, and we're going to get stuck into that in a minute. First and foremost, I'm not going to play this on the show. Mm-hmm. But what I am going to say, I'm just going to let people in on something that happened recently. So if you were tuning in, it might be, it was definitely last week. Can't remember whether it was Thursday or Tuesday. I think it was Thursday. We were previewing something. We were previewing um, the Four Nations. You remember, Nicholas? Yes, absolutely. Yes. We were pre- previewing the Four Nations. And obviously, you came on here and you waxed article about the Four Nations. Now then, right? I get a text message from my mate, Nicholas Pete, who's received a text message from Mr. Mark Goddard. That's right. Uh, and it's basically, the text message reads very simply, commending Nicholas, massaging Nicholas, hugging Nicholas, saying, Nick, you are the fucking boy on the fight, disciples. Tell that bulk I'm, I'm coming for him, right? That's basically <laughs> what the message, not verbatim, by the way, not verbatim, but kind of the message what uh, was sent to Nicholas from Mr. Goddard. Then, right, I obviously get a little bit chirpy then, don't I? Say, fucking telling me you'll have to catch me first and all this type of stuff. About five minutes later, obviously Nick's gone back to him and said, he's getting fucking above his boots, isn't he? He's getting above his boots. Yeah. A couple of minutes later, I get a voice note, don't I? From Mr. Goddard himself. He says, you just fucking watch yourself, boy. You watch yourself. (laughs) (laughs) He's taken umbrage to my uh, Birmingham impression of him. On the, uh, on the show last week. So uh, I've just said, obviously, we're going to be on the ground for International Fight Week. 
most of it I'm going to be, yeah, most of it I'm going to be spending it in my room, hiding from uh, from Mark Goddard, who's going to be looking for me to put me in some type of chokehold and, uh, and and give me a bit of a good idea. Anyway, just thought I'd start with the show there, Mark. I am sorry, you know I love you, but I thought it was a wicked impression. I thought I thought I got it nailed down, did, did I not? Or are you not making comment? Look at you, no look comment. at you bottle it with Goddard. Why no are you comment. bottling it with him? Why are you bottling it? Yeah, no comments. Right. But anyway. by the way, 14th, 15th, 16th, South Wales, be there. Four Nations Championships going to be brilliant. 200 athletes, amazing. Anyway, Jacksonville. Speaking of Mr. Goddard, he was involved in Jacksonville. He was yeah. in the main events. He had a better view than any of us. I wonder how oh, Mr. Goddard mate. would have scored this fight. Because what I will say is the fight was fucking tremendous. It was engaging, well, man. I couldn't take my eyes off it. And listen, rather like we've just done the boxing show and we talked about the heavyweight fight in Madison Square Garden and how it was horrific seeing a washed fighter get teed off on and beat up and everything else. And the fight should have been stopped sooner. I wasn't saying the same thing here. And that was a conversation that come out of it. Wait a minute. Should Emmett's corner have pulled him out against Tapora? Nah, man. You don't pull a guy out who spent his entire career getting into the top five of the weight division and losing an interim title fight, losing a final eliminator, and then coming back against the guy ranked about below him. And okay, he's losing rounds, he's getting beat, but you don't pull him out, man, because this is his life. He's got 25 minutes or as the mm. fight progresses, 10 minutes, then five minutes to save himself, to save his career, to save his ranking, to give himself the opportunity to get one last push. So my <laughs> overriding conversation is Emmett. I understood why the corner didn't pull Emmett out. Right. Because he can dig. And who knows? Was it going to happen? No. Did it look like it was going to happen? No. Could it have pull happened? Him out then. Pull him out then. In some kind of fantasy dream world. Pull him out then. <laughs> Do you know something? It's, it's a really interesting conversation to have this. Because, and it's interesting that we started there. Because I think that if, and, and this didn't happen obviously, but if it did, if that fourth round happens in the third round, I'm screaming at the TV to pull him out. Yeah. But because it's happened in the fourth, <clears throat> it's a difficult, it's really difficult because you're sat there the going, right, you've, got, you've got five minutes now. Now, it goes against everything that I normally say. And I, 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 I'm kind of edging probably more with you. But I do. I did have the thought. I've got to be honest with you, mate. I did have the thought when I was watching the fight and that fourth round concluded. I'm sat there going, "There's no point. There's absolutely no point." He was literally one shot away from being yeah. finished there. There's no point. Pull him out of the fight. I get, you know, it might be his last one. He's 38 years of. I, there's loads of things then going through your head, aren't there? He's 38. He's at the. He's coming to the end. It's last chance saloon. He's against the guy that's un, un, underneath him in the rankings. If he loses this, he ain't getting a title shot anytime soon. That's what the dream, all this. So, of course, at the end of that fourth round, I'm sat there looking at the TV going, right, pull him now. Pull him, because there's no point. But uh, all the things that you've just said, there, they do come in. They do come into the thought process as I to think, whether you do or you I don't. Think. I think if it is the third round, that. Yes. I'm a little bit more adamant of going, fucking get him out of there, man, because yes. he's going to tee off on him again in a minute. Yeah, I think, I think you know, it was a massive second round for Tapora. 
he responded. Emmett came back and responded in the third round. He didn't win the third round, but he gave yeah. us something. Then the fourth round, he takes an absolute shellacking. Saved by the bell. Goes back to the corner. He can only see out one eye. He's busted up. He's in trouble. There's obviously conversations going on. Goddard's no doubt within hearing room. You well, know, he, he pulled the dots with, didn't he? He exactly, pulled the dots yeah. with, didn't Mark? You want to know yeah. for sure. And it was Emmett's response to the doctor. Of course, I want to fucking fight the response to the corner. They <laughs> can, can I just say something on this? Can I just say, why this happened all night? Why is the yeah. doctor doing it? Why is it? Can you imagine if I did my the show like this? Why is he doing yeah. this, talking behind talk his fucking... Him. Mate, just fucking talk to him. He can't <laughs> tell what you're saying, you prick. Just fucking <laughs> talk to him. We're talking about health and safety. Why are you talking behind your bloody hand, you it clown? Was, it was strange why he was doing he, that. I had no idea why several he was times, to do that. Several times throughout the night, he came in, he's like going... Talking into his watch, yeah? Yeah, exactly. What are you doing? Ordering fucking night Rider, you dickhead. Fucking talk to the lad. It was strange. But the... I think their decision to leave him in the fight going into that fifth round was replied by Emmett, who came out in the fifth round and was front foot, who was pushing forward. Yeah. Now, let me make it clear. Tapora, for me, in the fifth round, showed me how good he really is, showed me how intelligent he is. This guy is wounded. He's damaged. You've smashed them to bits. You've hit him with everything but the kitchen sink. The fourth round, Tapora tried to finish the fight. Then in the fifth round, he's gone, fucking not made of normal stuff, this fella. He's a fucking lunatic. He's going to keep coming. And if I take a chance now, I took a chance in the last round. I went for it. He's still here. Credit to you, kid. I'm going to show you how intelligent I am now. And he just started backpedaling, chopping away at the front leg, and chewed up the front leg again from Emmett. It was already battered and bruised. It meant Emmett couldn't set his feet. He couldn't land a big bomb. He didn't get close to landing a big bomb. But he was aggressive. He was coming forward. And, it, you know, he lost that round, in my opinion, 10-9, when he'd lost previous rounds by a much bigger margin. So that would be the moment where the corner team went. Josh had something left. That's why we left him in there. Take the visual away for a second. The fact that Jesus Christ looks like he's been hit by a bus. His the way he fought in that fifth round was someone chasing the fight, was someone trying to make something happen to turn the fight around. So that's the only reason where you're able to come away. And it's easy to do in the aftermath, obviously. Of course. Had he come out in the fifth round and was backing up and was up against the fence, and been, ah, you've, you've made the wrong call, boys. You've made the wrong call. You should be fucking out of there. Get him out now. The fact he come out and went, ah, oh, motherfucker, I'm going to get you. <laughs> the fact that he couldn't is just because Tapora's Class, absolutely yeah. class. Let's go through it round by round because I'm curious well, how you scored it. Go on, hang on, hang on, hang on, because I think that's the bigger conversation. What I just want to say on, uh, and we kind of alluded to it on the show last week, that type of performance from Iya Tapura, that earns title shots, mate. That's, that's how good that performance was. He was levels above a guy that has just competed for the interim title in this yeah. weight division. The winner of that is obviously going to be fighting the champion next. And I don't say what I'm saying lightly because when you look around the division and you look at the champion, Alexander Volkanovsky, who's mopped the division up, every, there's a lot of people that have had a shot at Volkanovsky or at least had a shot at Max Holloway in order to try and get to Volkanovsky. And if you can't get through Max Holloway, with all due respect, you're not getting through uh, Volkanovsky at this stage in your career. 
because Volkanovski's proved that he is the guy. You look around the division, you think, well, the next in line has to be Ilya Tapura. I don't want to hear about eliminators. I don't want to hear about he's got to fight this guy to get the shot. No, man. Ilya Tapura, for me, based on what I saw at the weekend, is next and gets the winner of Volkanovski Yair. There's no doubt in my mind about that. That's how good that performance was. I, I, I agree with that final statement. That's how good the performance was. It was worthy of a title shot. Of course, if Yair wins, Volkanovski gets a rematch because he's the pound for pound. Granted, but I, maybe I'm just maybe I'm guessing that that's not going to happen. But yeah, okay. Yes. I, right, if, if Volkanovski comes through against <laughs> Yair Rodriguez in two weeks' time, if Volkanovski decides he's staying a featherweight and he's going to defend his belt here rather than move back to lightweight and try and get a rematch with uh, with Islam Makhachev, which absolutely will be in his in his mind, yeah. you're 100 right. If if he does chase the Makachev fight. Makachev still hasn't got an opponent in Abu Dhabi. And you know what Volkanovsky's like? If he makes short work of uh, yeah, short yeah. work of this defense, then you better believe he'll want a quick turnaround. And we could see him fight for the title straight away. That would mean for me that Tapora has to have a fight next. And that's why I thought Tapora, after being amazing for 25 minutes, then got on the microphone, goes, yeah, man, get me a fucking title shot. Get me the guy. I'm going to be it. I'm sticking around. I'm going to fight. I'll be ringside. And if that doesn't happen, get me Max Holloway. In fact, bring it to Spain, man. Let's do a UFC in Spain and bring me Max Holloway. That's intelligent shit, man. That is that is thinking about your plot, your roots to the title. That's thinking about how you're going to get there. How are you going to get there? Right. I want a title shot next. If that doesn't happen, give me the next best guy in the weight division. Give me him. And tell you what, the fucking captain of the Spanish national team has come all the way to America to watch me fight. <laughs> so I'll tell you what to do. Get it back to Spain. I'll get fucking the king of Spain ringside. You wait and see. Mega. I, I, it couldn't have been a more perfect night. Oh, you, you could argue if he just stopped him in the fourth, it's more perfect. But for me, when I seen the fifth round, I'm watching support in the fifth round for five minutes. And I'm like, you've got it, kid. Yeah. You, you've got it. You, you're, in, you're so intelligent. You're deadly. But this intelligence after 20 minutes, you threw you bit him with everything. And now you're intelligent enough to go, I ain't even going to give you the opportunity, kid. I'm just going to chew you up as you roll forward, trying to trying to roll a dice. That's what Emma had to do. Emma had to try and land anything. He had to just pour it on. And Tapora just played with him. Bang, bomb, bang, slip, clatter, bang. Brilliant. I thought he was brilliant. Yeah. Go on, then. I know you've got an odd on for it. Let's do it, man. Because so we got... one of the scorecards is 50-42, and we've only ever Correct. seen, I think, three previous ever in the UFC. Yeah. There was a 50-44, there was a 50-42, and there was a 49-45. Not too sure about the 49-45, I've got to be honest. Um, but the 50-42, the, the obviously, was the big talking point, because in there, there's a 10-7 round. Um, I haven't got the scorecard in front of me. Actually, have you got the scorecard? Do you know? Do you know who did the ten seven round? Have you got it in front of you? Yeah, Christopher Lee. Yeah, just... very experienced official is Mister cool. Lee. We don't see a lot of ten sevens in the sport. We had this conversation on this show just a couple of weeks ago with Amanda Nunes. In Amanda Nunes fight, I said rounds two, three, four, and five for me should have been ten eight rounds because she was utterly dominant across all three of the D's which we used to score the fight. And there was a lot of that here as well with Ilya Tapora. Utter dominance in damage, duration. What's the last one? Dominance. 
Damage, dominance, duration. Yeah. yeah go. <laughs> go on, mate. I threw myself down because the start by going, you know, utter dominance over the. What was the third thing? Yeah. yeah. He, so for me, that's a, that's a no brainer 10 8 round. We're at 10 7 here because you're throwing in fight ending scenarios as well. So you got utter dominance and he almost finished the fight. Fucking super close to finishing the fight, which is what probably swayed Chris Lee's 10 7. I didn't score a 10 7. I didn't score it. In fact, my scorecard is different from all three of these. I scored oh. it 50 43 in favor of Tapora. That was my scorecard. So, oh. so round, round number one then. And so then what you've done, let me guess what you've done. Because my scorecard is also 50 43 originally, right? But you've obviously put in two 10-8s. Correct. Or three 10-8s. Two 10-8s, two 10-8s. Right, okay. okay. So round number one. I think. But I've got a 10-7, just to throw that in there. Okay. <laughs> and is, it, is it the same 10-7 as Christopher yeah. Lee? Yes, okay. it is. So let's talk about round. Let's go quickly through round number one. You know, dominated by Elliot supporters, sharper boxing, faster hands, quicker reflexes, a couple of low kicks in there as well, just to keep Josh Emmett uh, honest. Emmett loaded up a little bit, but didn't really have the kind of success rate that Ilya Tapora had. I think it's a no-brainer, 10-9 round in favour of Tapora. I don't think we need to get too carried away because Emmett was loaded up and was throwing singles. Round well, number two. Just on that, on the official scorecards, the 49-45 actually gave that first round to Emmett, which is baffling because I actually thought that, don't get me wrong, Emmett comes out fast because he knows he's got to hurt him. He comes out nice yeah. and fast. A minute, minute 30, I would say, at, at the minute 30 point of that round, close to two minutes, you're looking yes. at Emmett being in the ascendancy and being the guy that he's winning Correct. that round. But the final three minutes of the round is quite comfortably once Ilya Tapura thinks, right, I've got my range now. I've landed my jab. I know where you are. Let's play. Yeah. It's all Ilya Tapura. There's no doubt in my mind about that. And therefore, yeah. like you just said, 10-9, but Emmett does have moments. Go for it, mate. Round number two. Okay. This could be yeah. our first debate conversation round. So for me, Tapura, it, it, it becomes a masterclass. He's so skillful. His footwork is so good. He's aggressive on the front foot. He's loading up power now as well. He's really starting to piece Josh Emmett up in the centre of the octagon. He looked absolutely phenomenal. Domination. He just dominated him for the entire five minutes. For me, there was no fight-ending scenario. There was no clear fight-ending scenario in this round. So I scored a 10 favour in favour of Ilya Tapor, a 10-8 in favour of Ilya Tapora. Just a just a brilliant round. And Josh Emmett was second best to everything. Okay. I scored it 10-9. Um, but I completely understand why you've gone the way that you've gone, because the gap between what happened in two to one, they're not the same thing. No. Emmett had Emmett had moments in round one. Like I said, yeah. in the first two minutes, there's no doubt about that. Didn't have moments in round in round number two. It was Tapora then just, okay, I'll go into second gear now. Let's see. Okay, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a bit of third. So I completely understand how you got to 10-8. I maybe foolishly wasn't brave enough to do that. And maybe that would have given me a, an even wider card. Um, I will go back and look at round number two um, after this show. But at the time of scoring it, I scored it at 10-9 in favour of Ilya Tapora. Now, round number three is interesting because isn't round number three the round where uh, Tapora got dropped? Emmett landed something and momentarily... It was a super flash knockdown. I think he only took one knee. 
It was he got dropped. He got, they, they, he got their legs tangled up, didn't they? Yeah, he got caught with a shot, but he ended up going down, and that gave Emmett a little bit of a, a little bit of a lift, a little bit of a moment. He did land some single shots in round number three. You know, he, he clipped uh, Ilya Tapora a couple of times, enough times for me to go. Tapora's so confident in his own chin as well that he's able to put his chin in some level of danger, knowing that even if he gets caught with one, he's landing threes, fours, and fives. And really hating him. Um, so I scored round number three, a 10-9 in favour of Ilya Tapora. I thought there was flash moments for Josh Emmett, but absolutely nowhere close to him winning the rounds. But it was not as clear a round as round number two was for Tapora. So I've got a 10-9, right. Ilya Tapora in the third. Right. So this is where uh, we might disagree then slightly. Because in the original moments of scoring the round, and I've gone back and watched round number three a second time. When I originally scored it, I scored it at 10-9. Same, same as you. Now, obviously, the scorecard came out at the end of the fight, 50-42. So I've gone back through the scorecard. Right, where is that? Was How's that come about? And yeah. Chris Lee has scored round number three, a 10-8 in favour of Ilya Tapura. So I'm going, okay, then. So let me have a little bit of a thing. And as I'm thinking back through the emotions of the fight, we're, we're I think we're both on the same path here where we've had this... We've had this uh, round number one, close-ish, 10-9, quite obviously. And then you have a wider gap in round number two. You've gone, I haven't gone. Is my emotion thinking, maybe I should have gone, maybe I shouldn't have gone. And then we've got to round number three, and I think it's still wide. Having watched it back a second time, he's even more clinical. He's mm -hmm. just, he's not missing with anything. He's just yeah. so clinical, legs, yeah. hands, Every, it was like watching a surgeon dissect a fucking patient, mate. It was just unreal to watch. And the damage is really starting to build up on the face of Josh Emmett. Watching it back a second time, round number three, I concluded that I should have scored it a 10-8. I originally scored it a 10-9, but I concluded that it should have been a 10-8. It, yeah. it was just outrageous what he was doing. Now, now, if that was a 10-8 round, and again, you know, I only watched it once. Maybe I need to go back and watch round number three myself because... I've got that clear distinction, one to two, to go, well, two different from one. That's 10-8. Yeah, yeah. Then I go to three and I go, well, Josh did knock him over. There's a bit of fight, land one or okay. two shots. Even though Tapora can't fucking miss at this point, maybe that's why I've gone, okay, I've gone back to a 10-9. Maybe if, because if I scores that a 10-8, I've got a 50-42 as well. So, yeah, interesting. Uh, round number three, round number four, clear as day, a 10-8. I guess this is where the 10-7 potentially was as well. How Josh yep. Emmett survives uh, to hear that final bell at the end of round number four, God only knows. He was just, he was pieced up. He was beaten. He was dropped twice heavily. He was absolutely battered on the ground. You know, he, he was he was saved by the bell. I think Mate, he was mauled. He was he, mauled he, in this round. There was moments there when I thought Porter's going to go for the submission now. But we yeah. talked about this on Thursday about Tapora having so much talent <clears throat> and beating people at their own game. You know, look at look at the wins he's had and how he's beat these guys. Look at last time out, gets in there with Bryce Mitchell. The only thing he's ever, the only way he was ever going to beat Bryce Mitchell was by submission to send that statement. This is your submission guy, is it? This is your rising submission guy. Okay, I'll fucking destroy him. Watch this choke. He gets in there with something like Josh Emmett. Oh, big right hand. Oh. You know, he's got a hell of a chin. Cardio for days. Mate, Josh Emmett's a machine. Whatever you do, don't trade with Josh Emmett. Don't stand and bang with him. And he does exactly that and piece them up. And in this fourth round, it's like, 
ain't going for no submission, kid, because I don't people going, well, you know, he can be submitted, Josh. Yeah, he can, he can be submitted. Yeah, it's the hole in his game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, Tapora doesn't even, he's not even thinking that. He's just thinking, I'm going to beat you to a bloody pulp and I'm going to make you quit and I'm going to make the referee stop this fight. And he pulls that trigger. And it's only the tenacity of Josh Emmett, don't get me wrong, and the, and the strong stomach maybe of Mark Goddard. That, to be fair to Mark, I'll take that back. There wasn't a moment where Josh was gone. There wasn't that last shot where you go, enough kids. But fuck me, Adam, we were close to it. We were close to it. And again, saved by the bell. Now, I personally scored this 10-8. Reason mm. being is the... This is weird because my first statement about this thing is, how did he survive? But there wasn't that moment of the fight's done. They're done. There wasn't that... It was that close, but it wasn't... The fight ending scenario for me... Yeah. Wasn't necessarily there. Or you could argue the bell came in and stopped the yeah. fight ending scenario because he was basically defenseless and he was saved yeah. by the bell. Maybe that's the conversation that should be happening. So I've got no qualms whatsoever about the 10-7. And after I think... what my Amanda Nunes lecture, maybe I should be encouraging the 10-7. But I scored a 10-8. I scored it 10-7. And I... I... And the reason why I scored it 10-7 is because it's obvious optically it's a 10-8, right? Oh, it's yeah. so obvious because he's beating yes. the shit out of him. He's mauling Correct. him all over the gaff. So I'm about three and a half minutes into that round going, well, this is a 10-8. I've already written it down, right? As a note to myself, if he stays like this till the end of the round, it's a 10-8, 100%. But then, obviously, then the knockdowns start to come in and then we start to go through the process of fight-ending scenarios, in my opinion. Now, when there's a fight-ending scenario and it's grappling, for example, Volkanovski Ortega, right? Yeah. You can quite comfortably see he's fucked, right? <laughs> he is fucked here, man. And, and it's only through that sheer tenacity, as you were just talking a minute ago, that Volkanovski stays in that fight with Brian Ortega, right? He stays in the moment somehow. When it's striking... I think it's I think it's more difficult to actually depict about it being a fight ending scenario because you can you can physically see someone wriggling and trying to get out of the way and we're not reward we're not rewarding the defense of Josh Emmett because that's what he's supposed to do. But because when you see a choke and you see someone's head going fucking red and you can see, oh it's indeed that's that's proper, and then the fucking bell comes or whatever it comes. You can you can physically see it there. I think it's a little bit harder to depict that when it comes to strikes being um, a, yeah, yeah that, that fight in this scenario. I genuinely believe we are one clean strike away on on maybe two occasions. Yeah, of Mark going the fight. of yeah. Mark going. That's enough, right? Yeah. And that's what I would then determine being a fight ending a fight ending scenario. So I did in the in the in the immediacy of it because of the way that that last minute played out the bell coming in and it just being absolute fucking carnage. I thought that the damage, the dominance, the duration, and on top of that, we were, we were literally a second away from him being finished. Yeah. That's why I called it a 10, seven. So I've not, and that's weird because like what you just said in the previous rounds, I didn't call a 10, eight and maybe I should have called a 10, eight going back. Now I'm rewatching round number three. I should have called a 10-8. Who knows? I might even go back and watch round number two and call a 10-8 there because it's definitely wider than one. And this yeah. is this is a really good conversation to have, especially for fans listening in on this. 
because I think if more ref, uh, judges are encouraged to do what happened at the weekend, score your 10-7, score your 10-8, you get less debates over controversy. You get less debates with that. If, if, if people become more um, uh, aware of what a 10-8 looks like or what a 10-7 looks like, then when they see one and it's awarded, then people aren't going to be as outraged as they have been previously. I, th- I, I, like I say, going back and looking at a, this fight objectively, I can't argue with fifty forty two at all, mate. I no. really can't. No, no, neither can I. Absolutely not. Um, and again, we, we talked about the final round earlier on. Josh Emmett coming out, the last hurrah, man, the last roll of the dice, dice, the 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 last, the last stand, if you like. He comes out there as corner. Must have needed some persuading, but they've seen him. They've been able to look in as one good eye. And he's had that fire in his belly and he made it clear to the doctor, I want to fight, man. Let me out there, please. I've spent I've spent 12 years of my career getting to rank number five in the world. Don't take it, don't you take it away from me. Let me hear the final bell. Let me try everything. Let me try everything within my power to try and turn this fight around. And I think Mark's decision not to stop it. The corner's decision not to stop it. The doctor's decision not to stop it was in some way rewarded by the way Josh Emmett approached the last five minutes. And again, he lost the last five minutes. Tapora was just different level all night. He was just, Tapora proved to the world that he is a world-class featherweight on fully deserving of a title shot with his 25-minute performance against Josh Emmett, who is undoubtedly one of the best featherweights on the planet. He was absolutely brilliant, Ilya Tapora. But Josh Emmett deserved that opportunity as, as battered as he was, to try and do something. And he tried, man. And you, you've got to give him all the love and respect in the world. He did not go down easy. He fucking took his shot in that last round and went, right, I've just got to try and land something. But unfortunately, Tapora's just too intelligent. At 26, he's 26, Tapora, isn't he? He's 26. Mm. Yeah. Fair. His fight IQ, his technical ability, the team he's built around him who were there for him, He's something very, very special. Now, I ain't going to say anything stupid like he beats Volkanovski right now, but I tell you what, he it's gives a Volk a fight, man. It's a fucking fight, He gives fight, Volk a fight. Do you know what? I'll be honest. Me personally, Volk Yai has got to play out, and that will play out in what will come what may, and that will decide if Yai is successful. And again, Yai is fighting superbly right now. Yeah, he is. Maybe he is. We got a rematch. If he isn't, and Volkanovski is successful, and Volkanovski does Volkanovski type things, the pound for pound best fighter on the planet deserves a rematch with the lightweight champion because that fight was close too, man. That was three two. That was a close fight. And I've got so I've got no issue with this twenty six year old superstar in his who's just had his first main event. By the way, that was his first. Five round fight, his first headliner in the UFC period. I've got no issue whatsoever about him going into a Max Holloway fight next or another elite Arnold Allen or a Mobzar Evil, whoever fight that's previously been made. I don't think there's a big rush with Ilya Tapora. I think he just need the only thing he's lacking is ex- big time fight experience. He ticked the big box at the weekend. Yeah, man. To jump into Volkanovski now is a big step up. I think I've got no issue with another fight in the interim. <laughs> but if he produces but, a performance like that, he can't be denied. No, you're right. 
Max is fighting zombie though, isn't he? So that's the big, big fight. And then you've got you look around, you've got Ortega. Is it Ortega. though? Is, it though? Yeah, Max. is there is Max versus zombie an eliminator? I don't think it is. I don't no, think no, 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 no. You, you just said Max being the big fight for Tapuri is what I'm referring to. Sorry. Max is the name, Max is the former champion. That would be the big, big fight for yeah. for Ia Tapuri. But like you said, Holloway versus Zombie in Singapore is is what it is. I don't see that as an eliminator for the title. I think I I have as far as I'm concerned, I look around and I see Ortega's had a go at Volkanovsky fallen short. Uh, Arnold's had a go at Max and fallen short. This is the guy. If there's got there's a, there's a lot of different scenarios that got that have got to play out. We've got a great fight in what ten days time from now, where Volkanovski defends against Yair Rodriguez, who's on fire. He he did a wonderful job against uh, against Emmett, didn't he? Yeah. If Volkanovski wins that fight, I personally believe that Volkanovski's going to try and have a go at at one five five again. That's what okay. I think he's going to go and try and do. So. Are we going to have another interim situation? Are we going to have a vacant title situation? Whatever those scenarios are, Tapura is in that conversation. Yeah. If it's He's an interim title, if it's in it, yeah, if it's an interim title, he fights for it, as far as I'm concerned. Tapura versus TBA. Yeah, absolutely, man. What a performance. Yeah. Sensational. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what else is what a performance. Macy goddamn barber. Woo! Oh, we me. said on last week's show, we built this up and previewed this co main event. Two young girls that have been hyped, fallen, and have been in this rebuild process. Macy a little bit further down the rebuild process than Amanda Hebas. Uh, Hebas has actually had a couple of bumps within the re uh, rebuild process as well to build us towards this absolute fantastic piece of matchmaking at the weekend. But it felt like, and we said on last Thursday's show, one of you have got to step up now. You've had your safety, you've had your decision victories, you've eased your way back in, good performances, very happy with where that development's going. But if we want to be talking about you challenging for the top prizes, then there's got to be some statements that come along the way. Jesus Christ, man. Macy Barber made a statement. And the best thing about this whole fight is that she did not have this all, all her own way. Hebas yeah. asked questions. She was brilliant. Hebas was ace. It was it was yeah. just brilliant. It was a brilliant piece of matchmaking. Both girls got the memo and they went, right, I've got to make a statement against this kid because Erin Blanchfield's come from nowhere and now she's the hot young prospect. She's probably going to get a shot at Grasso Shevchenko because we're being told that that's going to be uh, made as a rematch. Great stuff. We need to get on them back in this. Both of them got the memo. Both of them turned up. Both of them knocked the fucking living daylights out of each other. But one was just slightly cuter than the other. And yeah. Macy Barber showed, we've we've seen her, that she's got a massive set of cojones in the um, uh, Modafferi Mod fight when she uh, busted her knee up. We, we, we've seen that she's got that courage to keep going even when it's going against her. But to have the nous, to have the brain, to have the technical awareness, she's getting better on the feet against the striker in Amanda Hebas. Mate, I was so impressed with what Macy Barber did at the weekend. Don't under for people watching and listening to this, don't underestimate what Barber did to Hebas. Hebas yeah. is good, and she beat her at her own game, stopped her in a vicious way, and put the fucking division on notice. That's exciting because we need people in this division to do that, and she did it. Yeah, hundred percent. I'll be honest, I, I was gutted for Amanda Hebas because yeah. for Same. me, for me, this was fight of the night. You know, I know, I know Josh Emmett Tapura got it because it was a war, but it was just about Josh Emmett being fucking tough as old boots 
and taking a shellacking and not knowing how to quit. That was why it was cool, but it was a masterclass. This was a fight. Macy Barber versus Amanda Hebas knocked seven kinds of shite out of each other for almost nine minutes. It was absolutely brilliant. Both girls turned up. Both girls produced their A game. There was no quit in either of them. And Hebas had their moments, man. Probably yeah, even man. won the first round. That's how good yeah. it was. They were absolutely mega, swallowing headshots, ringing each other's bell constantly. Clara everywhere, just, breaking each oh other's noses. God, both of them just like blood blood all over the gaff. Just like, it was phenomenal. It was nine minutes of just pure violence entertainment. I thought it was brilliant. I can't believe Hebas never got a $50,000 bonus. Honestly, it was that good. It was that good a fight. Absolutely unreal. One of the best fights I've seen this year. Tremendous. You're right. Yeah. It became down to the small margin of Macy Barber just having that little bit more talent, that little bit more technique, that little bit more ability when it mattered in that moment when the firefight and Hebas brought it as a firefight and Barber went, Sam, we're doing this yet? Okay, let's go. And then it was like Hebas was going, oh, you want to fight? Okay, let's fight. And they just absolutely threw down. It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Listen, I feel I feel a little bit for Amanda Hebas again because Macy Barber, she reminds me of my barbers, yeah. Five dudes in my barbers. There's four of them are brilliant. One of them's a bit dodgy. There's 80% chance you're getting a sweet little point victory. You're dancing out the door, you're ready for your Saturday night. There's a 20% chance you're getting butchered. And unfortunately for Amanda Hebas, she turned up and got butchered. That's the but she got Macy Barber in butcher mode. And I feel for the man, I really do. Honestly, listen, Amanda, we've all been there, kid. We've all been butchered. Why do you think I'm the hack guy occasionally? Because occasionally you get 20%. You get the dude, you get Macy Barber in full control. I think there's other nights, there's other performances from Macy Barber, but I think Amanda Hebas does to Macy Barber what she yeah. did to Hebas. Because I've seen Macy Barber not pull the trigger. I've seen her do go backwards in straight lines. I've seen her make mistakes. But this was Macy Barber at her best. And it was Amanda Hebas at her best. Mate. And they just fucking collided. And it just exploded. And it was just Barber's night. Honestly, Hebas should come away with so much. 50 grand would have helped. But she should come away with this from this fight. So much uh, confidence to yeah. know that on any other night, that could have been her getting the victory. It really could. Mate. This is elite MMA, and it's it's one mistake. That's all. It, well, I say one mistake. It's it's one piece of magic from Macy Barber yeah. that sets that sets the yeah. finish up. That that's what it is. I mean, like you've just said, there's for Amanda Hebas to be fucking absolutely pissing blood out of that nose, and that nose was fucked. It was pissing for her to put it on Barber in the second round the way that she did, and she was in the ascendancy and, and started pushing. Yeah. Mate, and started pushing her back and pushing her back. And you think to yourself, here she goes. Amanda's going through the fucking gears here. But everybody remembers the head kick that rocked the world last year with uh, Leon Edwards. Look at how he did that. Look at how he sets that shot up. He throws a backhand and he immediately throws the kick. Because what happens when you throw that backhand from a southpaw stance, automatically the guy that or the girl that you're throwing that backhand to, they lean out, they're dodging it. They're slipping the fucking shot. They lean out the way, normally, nine times out of ten, to the right-hand side. Look at the finish. She does exactly the same thing. She's in a southpaw stance, throws the backhand. Ebas moves to this side, and she follows it with that kick. Bang, rings a bell. Rock and roll, baby. And then 
this is the impressive bit from Macy Barber. That was fucking shark shit. She sniffed yeah. blood, saw the saw the bell got rung, and she just went through the gears. Through Amanda's trying to hang on. Mm-hmm. Again, we know how tough she is. We've seen her do this on many occasions. She's trying her very best to hang on, but fuck me, Macy Barber just goes through it. Elbows, hands, you name it, and gets the job done. And that picture at the end where fight's off, blood's pissing out of her face, screaming to the sky, you just think, You've just announced yourself, mate. There's been questions about you. You have mm-hmm. just announced yourself to this division and put them all on notice. There's not going to be a lot of people putting their hand up now thinking, I'll have a bit of Macy Barber because that version is a handful for a large percentage of the uh, of the top girls in that division. Superb. And like you just said, Ebas can come again because it, it's literally one, it's one moment. She was on the yeah. wrong end of one moment. Great, great fight. Um, sensational. Now, as I pokes go, this might this might be the worst one I've ever seen. Yeah, man. This whole fucking second ring finger just disappeared in his eyeball. Wow, felt sick. The replay, I just went, "What the fuck? Where's his finger gone? Where's your finger? Get it out of his eye!" Oh man, it was a complete accident. Don't get me wrong; it was a complete accident, but. Oh, Austin Lane's finger just his ring finger went down to where your wedding ring would be. Yeah, actually inside it, Taffer's fucking eyeball. Yeah. Oh my god, it was horrific, horrific. And crying blood, crying blood for five minutes, and they're still going. Yeah, well, you know, we'll give him a, we'll see if he can recover, shall we? And I'm like, you taking the piss? You fucking. He should t- be up, lads. He's about tears. to lose his eye. Get him to actually, hospital now. Fucking now. <laughs> should we have five minutes? No. Can you not see that? <laughs> Get yeah. him out of there, mate. Fucking madness, pal. Mate. And, and listen, Justin Taffer, man, you know his heritage. You know where he's from. Yeah. There ain't no quitting he ain't faking that, that. There ain't nah, no mate. fucking quitting him. If he, can, if he can fight, he wants to fight. But in that moment, especially when you watched it, you must have looked up, seen the replay and gone, Jesus Christ, this entire finger's just gone into his eye. Entire finger disappeared past his eyeball. Mate, the evidence is fucking there. brain. There's like blood pissing check, out the eye socket. Check his fingernails for brain. Like, uh, bit of, uh, bit of Justin Taffer's fucking brain <laughs> is on Austin Lane's fingernails. Just, oh my God. It was horrific. Yeah, so I think the five minutes just felt completely unnecessary. Especially because as they're the, the chatting and, it, and it's just closing in front of your very eyes. It's just swelling and closing. You're like, mate, get him the fucking hospital right now before he loses his bleeding eye, for Christ's sake. Was disappointing, obviously massively disappointing because that was the moment where you're expecting some kind of because I think Austin Lane's yeah, a, uh, a former local boy, local NFL player, local boy, like you know, so obviously a big pop for him. And Taffer was there to deliver the knockout himself, so yeah, it, obviously it, it, it was an accidental eye poke. There's nothing you can do about that, but Jesus Christ, oh, turn me stomach, man. Yeah, um, we said or when we were previewing last week, this show on last Thursday's uh, podcast, keep an eye on Brendan Allen versus Bruno Silva. Brendan Allen, man, he's starting to make that charge, isn't he? He just loves fucking taking next, this kid. And he did it in such fantastic style. Bruno Silva, as we highlighted last week, uh, asked a lot of questions of Alex Pereira. And okay, Alex Pereira doesn't have the ground game or the grappling at that stage of their fight. 
uh, to really cause Bruno Silva anything on the deck. It was all on the feet that Bruno Silva had to negate. Brendan Allen, two submission victories on the spin, came into this, lit Bruno Silva up with his hands and then took his fucking neck. What an unbelievable performance. Top class. Excellent. Like I couldn't couldn't tweet fast enough. This guy can fight, man. This guy is the real deal. This guy has got it going on. And he's and he's patient with it as well. You know, it used to be quite wild early on. He still had the traits he's got now, but now I just feel like there's that level of maturity, there's that level of confidence. He just seems like a different fighter. When you see Brendan Allen now, it looks like you know when it something's clicked and the fight goes, oh. That's how I do it. That's how yeah. I do the best of me. He's got the right level of experience, the right level of technique, the right level of determination, the right level of fucking bonkers. And it's the perfect storm right now with Brendan Allen. And they need to be pushing for a fight, to, for, for a ranked fighter for him because he's ready. He's not going to be any more ready than this. You know, mm. he was patient up against the clinch, up against the fence. He proved once again he's got a great chin. Santos landed a couple of big bombs, man. And Brendan Allen just ate them up like Pac-Man. Yum, 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 yum. Let's fucking go. And then when he landed, a couple of right hands. Santos gets dropped, smashed up against the fence, jumps on him, start working ground and pound. But you can see the brain working. He's aware of the clock. He's aware of the time. What's left on the clock, right? Okay, we're going towards the final 90 seconds, final minute. Okay, let me, let me, let me try this, which will open the back up, and then I'll take the back. And it was just a beautiful transition. You knew what he wanted to do. He wanted to get that, excuse me, rear naked choke. And when he did it, it was just faultless. I thought he was brilliant. A marvellous performance. Yeah. One of the knockouts of the night delivered by David Anama. Um, yeah. And again, this is a very similar conversation, I suppose, to the Macy Barber, Amanda Heapers fight. Didn't have it all his own way, man. He was getting oh. battered at certain points. He got on board, didn't he? Yeah, man. I thought it was, I thought, again, a wonderful piece of matchmaking. Loads of different questions being asked from both uh, fighters. I thought Anama was actually slightly behind at the delivery of the knockout, but the knockout when yeah. it came, oh my days, timber, right on the, right on the whiskey. He didn't need to follow it up. He actually, he actually smothered how good the knockout was by following up with the ground and pound. If he had just stepped back and watched his work play out in front of him, he would have had a one punch walk away knockout moment an iconic moment beautiful it was a beautiful beautiful shot he's a talented kid him and yeah. he obviously proved that he's savvy as well because there's moments in that fight like you said there's a few chokes coming up his way from from bottom position and obviously armbar attempts and what have you and he negated him he negated him relatively well um used a bit of iq to try and keep that fight on the feet and when it was on the feet he proved that he can deliver yeah, uh, listen, on the feet he had the advantage and on the ground Santos had the advantage. Um, I thought Anama lost the first round. I gave it to Santos. I had him win the first round 10-9. Obviously, a lot of that was dependent on the, was because of the arm bar, which looked quite deep and credit to Anama, who's a striker, obviously proved that he's capable on the ground to escape that arm bar. And then he proved he was capable on the ground again. Santos got a body triangle pretty early in that second round. And you think, uh-oh. He's in trouble now, Anama, because he ain't going to let go of that body triangle and he's going to slowly, systematically work for a, if not a, a submission, certainly hold this position and be active enough. So you're going to be two two rounds down now, Anama. Like, you're in trouble here. You need to turn this around. But he just wouldn't allow Santos that moment. And maybe it was, maybe part of this was that the body triangle, he got, I think he got it in the first minute or two. So it's quite early in the round. So that's a long mm. time to fucking keep a body triangle on. Got out of it well, though, man. But Anama just kind of reached around him, 
went behind his head. I think it was that side. Reached around, went behind his head, and then used that arm, used that leverage to just spin his hips inside the body triangle, boop, and completely and utterly reversed the position, and obviously worked his way back to his feet, back to where he wants the fight to be. Just showed how explosive he was. Two big moments. Okay, I'm not a submission guy, but I've got fucking excellent submission defense, and I've got great takedown defense, and I'm popping back to my feet. And guess what? Mm. When I get back to my feet, I've got shit like corkscrew uppercuts that come from down here. <laughs> Boom! Little shovel uppercuts. Fucking get that stitched right on the button. You're right. Listen, when in hindsight, you go, stop there, kid. Just, just let him go. Boom. Yeah. Now celebrate. But yeah, obviously, yeah. when you've when you've been in arm bars, when you've been in fucking body, you want to make sure, yeah, mate, yeah, yeah. you want to make sure that fucker's <laughs> ten feet under. So you jumps on top and ah, fucking balls him on the ground. Couple of unnecessary shots. When it Great gets win. stopped, does the full fucking. He's got full style bender, hasn't he? The full yeah, style yeah. bender, fucking uh, arrow assault finish as well. Love that shit, man. Go viral, kid, and he did go viral. He was mega. Good performance. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought we were in for a long night at one point because when I was watching through the prelims, it was decision after decision after decision. Don't get me wrong, there's some great fights in there, there's some good performances that I, I was loving, but I thought this could be a long one. We need we need some stellar finishes and obviously stuff like the Anama finish, what we saw with Macy Barber, um, absolutely outstanding. Um, I want to highlight uh, Mateus uh, Rebecki. What an absolute tank he is. He took on yeah. uh, Radzkabov. Uh, in their fight, evenly matched up. I thought, here we go. Let's see what this is all about then. First and foremost, how the fuck are the pair of them lightweights? Jesus Christ, mate. Yeah. They're like, under the 55ers walking around like that. Jeez. Absolutely stacked to the... Radzkabob makes weight. Well, obviously, he's oh, not then. Oh, he isn't. 155, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he isn't but, uh, but Rebecca, the kid, the kid that won, what is? And, um, his shoulders are out here. And everything. Mate, he's massive. But brilliant performance. Um, and I also thought good refereeing as well in this fight too because it was quite evident that after the first round when he's kicked the legs from underneath him, beat, and then which is allowing him to just beat the shit out of him, he was just a sitting duck, Raskabov. He's just sat there like, oh, I can't move. I've no base. I'm just literally on the, on the fence here now. Right, come on, and I'll just swing and see if I can crack him. And then I think it was about the third or fourth time where he kicked the legs from underneath him, put him down with a big left hand, and the ref just went, whoa, 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 enough now. You're a sitting duck, son. Ref jumped in and stopped the fight. Great performance from Rebecca. Interesting to see what the UFC do with him next. I thought Tabitha Ritchie was really good against uh, Gillian Anderson. Um, I'm really impressed by Joshua Van. What a beautiful style to watch he's got. He was taking on Zaddy the Baddy. And obviously, a lot of the uh, pre-fight uh, chat was about Azama Goodoff, who says that his haircut's 2-0. and all. Well, it's not 2-0 and all now, pal. It's 2-1 and one, uh, because uh, Joshua Van was absolutely brilliant. Don't get me wrong. Weathered a little bit. Early doors just had a little bit of a look. But he's just got that lovely slip back and counter style. Really good with his yeah. hands. It's going to be interesting to see when he goes up against an elite grappler, what he's all about. Uh, but Joshua Van looked very, very good. I personally thought, I know that you've just highlighted Macy and Amanda Rebus as fight of the night, and that should have got the bonus. And maybe you are right, but there's also a fight here. Peak versus Chepe. Um, if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's fucking silly. Absolutely silly. 15 minutes of two fellas. Mace, when he just slapped them. As they were Mate, what, what fight was that when he just went, stocked and slapped them across the face? Mate, that was fucking class. Proper fucking street fight, this. This is as good as it gets from a street fight point of view. Peak versus Chepe. Um, I just felt that maybe 
because it was so early in the night, it maybe got overlooked a touch. It was brilliant, absolutely brilliant, and uh, maybe deserved uh, a few extra quid thrown upon it. All in all, mm. how good is it when the fans come out, man? I know they're fucking wild in Florida. I know they're yeah. wild, but tough. it ju- it just adds it just adds so much, mate. And th- yeah, the matchmaking was great, and yes, the name value is absolutely on the card with certain fighters that a lot of people will be familiar with. But they delivered. They all delivered. And there's certain people that you take away from this card and go, I'm going to keep an eye on him. I'm going to keep an eye on her. See what the crack is there. And I think it's because that extra 5%, 10% provided by the uh, energy of the crowd. Mate, Amanda Hebas versus Macy Barber doesn't happen behind closed doors at the apex. It just doesn't. Because mm-hmm. the energy is different. They approach the fight differently. They're a lot more conservative. They're a lot more technical. They don't just fucking fly at each other. Just have it. Like they did here. It was just like, right, we're in this moment. Let's just fucking have it. Let's steal the show. And they did. If it wasn't for Tapora's masterclass, they stole the show. They were brilliant. I think also Philip Rowe started really well against Neil Magny. Won the first round. And I'm like, okay, this is what you need, Phil, against Neil Magny. He's the gatekeeper. If you're going to be the guy, we talked about it on Thursday. If you're going to be anyone in this welterweight division, you need a win over Neil Magny. That's how you do it. That's how you punch your ticket to the top 10. And Philip Rowe, after the round, I thought, okay, Good stuff. Keep it going. But that altitude, man, that Neil Magny trains at just allows him to just keep going at a certain pace. And Roe just, for me, just ran out of gas. He just, he's, I know it was a split decision. And it was. It was a really close fight. I thought Magny won two and three. Probably three was the contentious one. It was a cl- really close round. Um, but I thought Magny probably did do just enough. But yeah, listen, as a card, it absolutely delivered. If you're going to go back and watch it, 100% watch the main card because obviously you can get through it pretty quickly. 100% watch Josh Van because that kid's got it going on. And then uh, Peek and Chavo just like, do you like street fighting? Mate, You like if you like shit that goes on in the car park outside Wetherspoons, bang yeah. that on. It's mad. <laughs> <laughs> and who doesn't? Um, no, listen, and that's not where the madness finishes uh, for this week's uh, MMA, because on Friday night, we told you, listen, PFL's back in town. Make sure you're checking it out. Really excited to see uh, the lighterweight divisions going at it again. The welterweights were on deck, as were the lightweights, and it was um, the the final stages before we end up with our playoff brackets for both of those weight categories. Now, controversy in the aftermath. Controversy in the aftermath. Uh, first and foremost, commiserations to Stevie Ray. He took on Clay Collard um, on Friday evening. And although there was moments in the first couple of minutes where I thought, okay. right, yeah. Clay didn't read the script, did he? No. Stevie looks all right here for about a minute, two minutes. Clay just looked big. He looked so big. And he didn't look troubled, with all due respect to Steve, he didn't look troubled by anything that was coming his way, any of the power or anything like that. He just looked like, well, I'm just going to walk through it. Um, and he went through the gears and ended up getting the job done and punching his ticket uh, into uh, into the playoff bracket uh, in the lightweight. So commiserations to Stevie Ray there. Um, now, we've got uh, Olivier Aubameyang who was the uh, champion last time around. And he was taking on Anthony Romero. What a great little fight this was. Anthony Romero came into uh, into the contest. This is Canada on Canada. He's undefeated, is Anthony Romero. A lot of people talking well of him. Let's see what he's all about taking on the last year lightweight champion in the PFL. I actually thought first round he might have, uh, he might have nicked that. I thought he was really, really good. Um, 
Mercier gets himself sorted, gets himself together, starts to come on strong, starts to go through the gears. And in the third round, delivers a knee to the chops. Maybe Romero's running out a little bit of gas. When you get into those championship stages against guys that have been there, done it and got the T-shirt, it becomes a little bit of a slog, doesn't it? Um, he delivers this knee to the whiskers and gets him uh, gets him a stoppage. Now, that knee, now this is where the narrative starts to really get interesting with the PFL and the league table and the points and all this type of stuff. Uh, because that knee eliminates Shane Burgos from the playoff bracket, all right, because of the points that have been accumulated because it's a third-round stoppage. So Shane Burgos is out, gone. Now, you will see if you look at the bracket right now, Shane Burgos is back in. Why is he back in? Let me give you a little bit of an explanation. There was a fight earlier on in the night uh, between Natan Schult and Hausch Manfio, two names that you might be familiar with because they have previously won uh, PFL seasons. Now, these two gentlemen were pitted together in a fight which obviously would distinguish one of those going into the playoff bracket. These two guys are best mates. Now, when I say best mates, I mean proper best mates. They're godfathers to each other's fucking kids for crying out loud, right? So they trained together. They did the weight cut together and they were pitted together on the night to fight each other in the PFL. You could tell that the energy was off when they both made their walk to the smart cage. Neither of them wanted to be there. And that is what played out over a 15-minute period. They had a bit of a pig of a fight. In fact, they had a glorified spa. Neither guy wanted to hurt each other. There was plenty of opportunity in grappling exchanges where you think to yourself, if you tee off now, you're going to get a bit of ground and pound and you probably end up going to win here. Didn't come. Didn't happen whatsoever. Nathan Schultz got the point decision. Um, and he then obviously knocked out Mafio, his mate, and he progressed into uh, the playoff bracket. And so as the night... Go on. Sorry. So Schultz, earlier this year, in the opening round of this tournament, beat Stevie Ray on points. So that means Schultz now has got six points. Yeah. Two but wins, Burgos, six points. But if you remember, Shane Burgos lost his first fight. Yeah. And he won here. So he's got three points. So he doesn't have enough points to get himself into, uh, into the playoff bracket. Correct. All right? So as it stands, you've got... Schultz versus Collard. You've got Obi Mercer against Miranda. Miranda, who same as Schultz has had two fights and won them both on points. So they've both got six points. Obi Mercier's won two, but I got a third round stoppage. That gave him a bonus point, so he's on seven. And Clay Collard won two fights. That's six points. We've got a second round stoppage. That's two extra points. Clay Collard's got eight points. So eight, seven, six, six. I know it seems a bit confusing, but if you follow football or soccer, as we call it here in the UK, you might be familiar with obviously no, acquiring points football. for yeah, acquiring point in America. I'm talking about we have American listeners, right? So acquiring points for victories, league tables, and all this type of stuff. So anyway, Shea Burgos is out. It makes sense. It's easy to it makes follow. Makes an awful lot of sense. It's so an awful you lot explain of sense. why the decision's been made because I don't know. I just seen oh. I just seen uh, Nathan Schultz and his response, and I'm like, what? Yes. So, as I've just explained, Natan Schultz and Rausch Manfio, they had this fight. It was a stinker. I've given you the explanation as to why it was a stinker. Neither guy wanted to hurt each other because they're best pals. All right? Now, the PFL, in the immediate aftermath of this situation, have gone, Phew. now I'm, I'm, they've gone, hmm, 
Right, okay. Spent a lot of money on Shane Burgos, getting him over here, haven't we? Hmm. Could do, <laughs> could do with him in the playoff bracket. Hmm. How do we go about doing this? Now, they have terms and conditions in their contracts, and they and they published this. This is a, a, an official public statement. Where they have deemed that Natan Schultz and Hausman Fio have not fully committed to the fight. Now, in all, who've deemed this? The commission the P- or PFL? The PFL. The PFL. The PFL have deemed that... Fucking hell, this is getting sh- fucking dirty and it, dodgy to me. They have de- deemed that they have not fully committed to the fight. And under their terms and conditions, that if you do not give your all and do everything in your power to win, um, you are in breach then of the terms and conditions that you have signed up for within the PFL. So the ruling that the PFL have administered is that they have suspended now Natan Schultz and Hausman Fio, two former PFL season winners. And therefore, because they've suspended them, the points for that fight do not count, of which then makes them fall, or makes Natan Schultz in this case, fall out of the bracket. And Shane Burgos falls in. So Shane Burgos now... Will but be... even without even without that result, though, he's still got three points, the same as Shane Burgos. You're pretty suspended. <laughs> Fucking hell, dude. This is not good, PFL. So, what? As, so what we now know is that Claire Collard and Shane Burgos... Oh, that, that's a coincidence that that's the fight that is, uh, is, is, is coming into fruition, isn't it? So, Claire Collard, Shane Burgos... Will be fighting each other on one side of the draw. Obi Mercier and Miranda will be fighting each other on the other side of the lightweight uh, draw. So there you go. That's what happened at the weekend. The PFL deemed that Schultz versus Manfield wasn't uh, a fight fought by both guys to win. They thought that they mugged us off and therefore suspended them and then t- took the points off them for that fight. Two points I want to make here. Firstly, PFL, mate, you, you've just soured the entire tournament and you've started to raise serious questions about your authenticity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, mate, you've just fucking... I get it. Collard versus Burgos makes much bigger headlines and tracks more interests than Collard versus Schulter. This is your tournament, man. And you're supposed to be running it and saying this is... This is us. This is what we stand by. This is how you win it. It's a points decision. You get a stoppage. You get a bonus point. You get this. You get that. It's three points for a win. And you made the fight. Yeah. You made Schultz versus Manfio. You made it. You matched it. You must know the teammates. You must know the fucking, you know, Godfather's best men at each other's wedding. Yeah. You must be aware of that. You've got to be aware of that. So in making that fight, you've got to take some responsibility for the fact that Two best mates probably aren't going to throw down. Here's an idea. Go, you two can't fight each other because you're basically fucking training partners. We're going to mix you up. But instead, you've made that fight. You've allowed this to happen. And then you've punished both fighters for the decision that you ultimately made. That's mm-hmm. wrong. Yep. Second point I want to make is, what's Francis Ngannou got to say about this? Here isn't Francis Ngannou here for fighters' rights? Isn't he? Isn't he here to the bastion, the the guy who's going to change the sport and make sure fighters get what they deserve and everything else? Isn't he an executive at the PFL? What's Francis Ngannou got to say about this decision? 
if Francis Ngannou is the person I think he is, and he showed us the person he is, and by walking away from the UFC and becoming a free agent and going in different direction like this and demanding things for not only his opponents, but for all fighters, if Francis is that guy and he's part of the PFL setup, what's Francis got to say about this? I want to know. I want to know what Francis thinks because Natan Schultz has been shafted. Man's been royally shafted by the PFL. And that's really disappointing. And I, listen, I get it. I get it. Collard Bergos, me, I get it. I want to see that fight more than I want to see Collard versus Schulter. That's a fact. But fuck me, man. Once you start doing this, fans, you lose fans because people go, the integrity's gone now. You're just, you're just doing what you want to make the bigger fights. And if that's the case, just make the big fights. Don't fuck about with tournaments and brackets and point systems and smart cages if you're going to look for loopholes and abandon shit to make fights that attract more eyeballs. Just just do the fights that attract more eyeballs. At least retain some integrity for the sport and for yourselves. Really disappointing. This is, And I'll be honest, this is the first big L against the PFL, in my opinion. It really is. Because I've been all in so far. Listen, the whole Jake Paul thing, it is what it is. That's a circus. That's a freak show. It's not mm -hmm. real MMA. It's sound. Carry on, man. Brilliant. Sell tickets. Brilliant. Your tournament's you. Your tournament brackets are what you stand on the hill and you live and die for. This is us. This is our business. It's built around this. You got us. We're in. Sound, man. I get it. Brilliant. Even playing field. It's right there, boys. All you got to do is do that and you will make it. This kid's done it by a match that you made whether he's fucking, whether it's been a layup, whether his mate's gone, yeah, man, Sam, you take the points, you go through to the next round, whatever. You made the fight. You have to take responsibility for that. You can't punish the guy for your actions. It's bad, man. It's not a good look, kid. Not a good look. Correct. Uh, in the welterweight division, Magomed Kerimov looked absolutely devastating once again. Former champion, of course, from 2018, taking on uh, yeah. Umilatov. That Sadbu side thing was fucking deadly. That back, yeah. that spinning kick. Looks ooh, good, ooh, it? Ooh. My well, word. the kid that he's going to be fighting in the next round, uh, Leo. Oh, Leo. Mate, Jesus. Right, his fight uh, that he had with uh, Delano Taylor. Taylor obviously missing weight the previous day, but the fight that he had with Taylor was awesome. They knocked fuck out of each other uh, and Leal was just having none of it second. I said, all right, mate, okay. You think you're hard? I'll show you what hard's all about. And he just went through him. Him versus Sidibu Sai in that semi-final in the welterweight division will just be silly. Yeah. It will be absolutely outrageous. Yeah, man. Can't wait for it. Absolutely. And which is, which is a shame because the, the major... Be that's it. You're just about to say the same thing as me, right? So the, the talking point should be these guys and yeah. what they did and that performance and that fight that we should all be mouth-watering about, whereas the major talking point is obviously what they've done to Natan Schultz. Yeah. It's a shame. Because like you said, PFL are absolutely doing a lot of good. They've just fucked up here. Eddie Rod. There you go, mate. Fucking hell. Action. Oh, weekend. What, what a weekend. weekend. Look at you. You've had a wet dream. 50-42, spinning wheel kicks, you name it. It's all bloody going on here. Anyway, 
Thank you very much for tuning into us. Hopefully you've enjoyed uh, this weekend's MMA because it was action-packed. And it's only going to get better now as the as the weeks progress, as we head towards International Fight Week. Can't wait to be out there next week. And if you're going yourself, you know the score, kids. You know Friday. All right? Anyway, make sure uh, you subscribe to the Fight Disciples podcast. Fightdisciples.com is our website. Loads of audio feeds there for you. And we've also uh, got a version of this for you on YouTube. So please subscribe to us. We're knocking out loads of YouTube content as we build up towards International Fight Week. So come and join us for that. Loads of talking points for you to get involved with. Fight Disciples on the old YouTube channel. And also pay a little visit to our partners, Monterex. Uh, who I believe are, are they going to be out in uh, Vegas, aren't they? Are they going to the so. be out there? They're going to be doing they'll a take bit. Going to take us for a Tomahawk steak, I hope. They That's better the bloody happy doing as well, lads, eh? Just in case you're listening. Well, in case you're listening, you better bloody have been listening. You're part of the show. <laughs> anyway, the link to their website is in the description of this podcast. Click on that. Have a look. If you like some stuff, summertime vibes coming on, man. Get yourself a nice pair of shorts or something. FD10 in the checkout to get yourself 10% off their entire range. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.